0: Mira and Peter, you're listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast, where we talk about all things mind-related and embrace what it is to be human in an age of technology, digitalization and information overload. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share with your friends. Our guest is Dennis Murphy, author, linguist, software engineer and podcaster from Ireland. In this episode, we spoke to Dennis about his book, Taking My Life Back, his experience of psychosis that happened in his early 20s, how he got his life back on track, and what has he learned from it. Enjoy listening. Hello. Hi, everyone. We are here today with Dennis Murphy. Dennis is an author and a podcaster and, and a language expert and, and so many things. Welcome, Dennis.
1: Hi, Dennis. Thanks, for and Peter. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, well, we, we were just discussing of you know how many things uh, you do and uh, how how we met. We met on a coaching course. So, if if you would maybe just have a few more words about what what you do and what do you do, what are you doing at the moment?
1: Okay. So my name is Dennis. I am an author, a podcaster, and a software engineer. So what I do right now. The software engineering is the the job that pays the bills at the moment. That's my professional job. And the podcasting and writing my first book has been more of a side project, more of a passion of mine that I've developed. So that's what I'm doing. And then over time, I'm seeing these skill sets intertwine and play up with each other. So the software engineering is something that helps me to develop more of my analytical mind. And the writing is more of a creative outlet for me and podcasting is a creative outlet for me. And uh, so my background is actually in languages and linguistics. So I got into software engineering from looking at coding as another language to learn. And as well, the language as well plays a part in the book that I've written and future books that I'll write and the podcast. So the language has given me the understanding of it being a communication tool. And the podcast has helped me to connect with people beyond even the words and stuff, getting to the core of who they are. What their intention is, what their purpose is in the world. So that's all the kind of intermingling of different things. But it's also simple at its core. Language is the core thing that has branched me into software engineering and into writing. And it's been my interest in just creativity as well. Underneath all that, it's been being channeled more so in the in the writing in the podcast. And even in this trickling over into software engineering as I'm getting a better understanding technically of software engineering, I think that's the first thing you need to grasp with software engineering is the actual technicality of it. And as you get more comfortable with that, there's more room for creativity and expressing yourself in code. So that's basically me in a nutshell right now.
0: Sounds like you're a really great guest for for what we are doing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Dennis, uh, I've read your book uh, over Christmas and I was I was really, when I read, I, I'm usually, if something is really interesting to me, you, you can't talk to me. You can't call me. I can't, I won't hear you. I was really, and this is what happened when I was reading your book. It was, it's a story. It's a story about your life. And there is so, so many interesting things inside. There's lots of things that I've learned from you. Uh, while reading it, uh, and I had some of my own insights. And what we kind of touched just before we started recording was, you know, how uh, uh, how your creativity went from doing stuff, uh, being create, being creative, and doing stuff uh, 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 with your, you know, hands or writing or whatever you were drawing. I think as well.
1: that correct? drawing when I was younger yeah I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was younger so I'm really glad that there's illustrations in the book today that was like a synchronicity I didn't I didn't intend it but when the opportunity came about to have Davy on board to draw the illustrations I was like yeah I'll definitely do that because it ties in with my childhood dream of being a cartoonist
0: yeah and how how you connected creativity with with your mind playing games with you Mm. Uh, that that the reason why is that happening is because we are creative, because we can create and imagine things. There is nothing really, and this is what I got from it. Like, there's nothing really wrong with us. There is nothing wrong with somebody having a psychotic episode, with somebody imagining things. With, Like, I, I was reading recently a, a, a about schizophrenia. And I also think, like, from, from what I can get, from what I gather right now, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just functioning of human mind that that person doesn't understand in the moment and it's just creativity it's just it's it's really strange can you can you say something more about it yeah i don't think i'm really clear here
1: (laughs) yeah i guess in, in in my experience there it's um Going through that actual episode, though, it is so terrifying, it's so overwhelming, and you don't know what's going to come out of that. You don't know whether you're trapped in this illusory world for the rest of your life, whether people will relate to you in a normal way ever again, that the last thing you kind of think of is seeing this as a positive in your life. So when I started looking at it, it as more like, what's the benefit to this? I started thinking in those lines because I didn't, I was very aware for some reason that I could become identified with this psychosis and it could lead to other stuff and it could lead to the self-fulfilling prophecy. For some reason I had an awareness of like how strong the mind can be and how strong the belief of a person can be. I so I don't want that. So I shifted my focus more towards possibilities. And that was when I started looking at myself, which is a very tough thing to do when you feel like something's been done to you. Because in that experience, a lot of it's external. You're getting auditory hallucinations, visual hallucinations. It feels like you're like you're everything's been done to you and you don't know what to believe anymore. So like you don't really have self-confidence. You don't have self-belief. That's all taken away from you. But when I started looking at it, it was like, how do I grow from this? How can I see the positive to this? Then I started looking at the ownership. And then I was, that's when I started seeing the paranoia as my creative energy. I think it probably helped too that maybe I always did a sense that I left my creativity behind me, that I was gradually like losing contact with that because of my insecurities. I wanted to fit in with people. I didn't think it was cool for a guy growing up in Ireland to be interested in writing or the art and that kind of stuff. And I kinda lost my connection with my interest in that. I just kind of believed that like oh I didn't wasn't even interested in that in the first place. So it was just layers and layers of like self-delusion and self-self kind of denial and stuff. But then when I got to that situation, because it was so painful, I was like, I'm not lying to myself anymore. And that was like the firm decision that made me start peeling back the layers, looking at myself and understanding my own psychology and getting back to like the things that feel aligned to me today, which is the writing, which is podcast as well. I didn't even think that that was a thing that was going to unfold for me in the future. But what the podcast gives me is an outlet to have meaningful conversations. I felt when I was growing up, I was kind of always somebody who liked uh, having a meaningful conversation, having a deeper conversation rather than the surface level chatter and that was something as well that was on my mind at that time before i had this psychotic like, episode it was i was sick of like this small talk of, like people just having shallow conversations and that being your day-to-day existence and so a podcast is actually a great opportunity for me to actually have meaningful conversations more consistently in my life without feeling weird for me wanting, <laughs> wanting to do that because i always felt weird as well for having that part of myself growing up because a lot of other people didn't seem to either know how to do it or they were just weirded out by it so the podcast is kind of a blessing in disguise too that it gave me that outlet. So anyway, yeah, so like the, the key thing I learned from the experience was that the mind, like I I guess I understood from that experience how little control I have over my mind because I tried to will myself better. Like I talked in the book, I didn't want to go on medication because then I admit admit to myself that I had a problem, that I was a person who went through psychosis but I couldn't do it. I tried my best. I tried to will myself better and to focus on the positives and stuff, but I had to see a psychiatrist to get the chemically my brain back into balance and to get some order in my life. And, uh, yeah. So, but I did realize that you can channel your focus off of that. I can't control my mind, but I can channel what I'm focusing on. That's the creativity part, moving in a positive direction rather than where what I was doing, it was just kind of hanging there. It was like, I guess what psychosis did for me, it gave me a, a a traumatic enough experience, like a like a what's the word? Gave me an extreme enough experience to see the paranoia that was always there at a subtle level in my day-to-day interactions that it woke me up to it. And then I could get the option of like reclaiming that as imagination and creativity rather than just drama and gossip and all that kind of stuff that's actually quite neurotic and self-destructive in the long run for people. It's
0: it's interesting that you say that. So From what I understood right now, what I saw is that we all doing it. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. But there was something that you said that kind of got me into the second question I wanted to ask you. And it is, what did you gain from it?
1: What the game from the from,
0: episode? From the yeah, from that whole experience, and and later on getting out of it, and, and, and all of that. What well, you know, was there any any one learning from it,
1: or I guess I would sum it up in emotion. Around that time as well, I discovered language hacking. And that played an element too because I was looking at the meaning rather than the specific words. And when I started verging into that with the psychosis, it was metaphors and I was looking at the meaning so anybody could say something to me and the words didn't matter. I'd always be able to relate it back to my life. I think my brain was kind of going in that pattern because of the language checking. I would already started to see that you pay attention to the meaning of a sentence to pick up the, the meaning from it rather than focusing on the specific words so with the language hacking i guess i was at a stage in my life where i didn't really value emotion that much i was never taught to put a plate put a value on emotion but i was taught to put, a, put value on logic and intellect and so with the language hacking i was very much coming from an intellectual point of view and so i got carried away with that too because I, I was completely identified with that as my self-image that was like somebody i aspired to be If I didn't become that, then that would be so disappointing and devastating to the image I had myself of being a linguist and somebody who could speak multiple languages. So the psychosis woke me up to Emotion, and I went on my own journey then to unravel my psychology and understand that emotion is actually the base of like how I form decisions, and it's so important. Like if I'm not aware of my emotions, I don't know what I'm chasing. I don't know what's influencing me. I'm just reacting. I'm in a constant state of reaction to events and people and circumstances, and I'm not aware of that because I don't place a value on the emotion. So emotion would have been the key thing, and then the way I kind of look at it today is that like emotion and mindset place more value on the emotion because I know that the emotion is the driving force there. It's like the the building blocks are the emotion part. If you're not grounded in your emotions, you're not going to come across in a way that's coherent and people understand you in communication. So, yeah, I guess that's somewhat up in the word emotion was what it woke me up to, being emotionally intelligent and self-aware from that.
0: Amazing. Did you have any questions?
2: It's just I think it's, it's it's a big one to learn, right? And, yeah, I mean, I can resonate with that in the past because, yeah, you think that you need... Intellect to survive, and I am intellectual, I like to learn things, right? It's cool,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah, a big part that's missing is the emotional piece as well. Because human beings, correct me if I'm wrong, we need both, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you, Dennis. I've tried to remember, you talked about it, I've tried to be an
0: algorithm in the past,
2: it's just it doesn't work, right? Um, and I tried that,
0: and yeah, that didn't fit, that's for sure, yeah, yeah. yeah if 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 I just think back. Like whenever you remember something from the past, you remember because it had a certain emotion attached to it. We really rarely, I mean, I don't know if we ever remember anything that wasn't important to us. And emotions seem to be the most important part of our life. Mm-hmm. It is quite cool. It is quite cool. I was thinking about something. I was talking to a couple of people yesterday and, and one of the girls told me that uh, she had a, a period of depression where she couldn't do anything she was basically at home couldn't work couldn't do any of her projects and stuff that she wanted and now she is out of it and now she is uh, she's struggling with time she thinks that she is not doing everything that she should be doing and this was basically what we were talking about and what she came to realize later on is that she, She thinks that she had wasted a year or two years of her life and now she's running to add more time, you know, do things quicker to accomplish something because she wasted two years. And I remember myself thinking a few years back because I had, uh, I struggled with anxiety and and depression after my dad passed away and my life kind of turned around a bit and that I thought that I wasted time because I was struggling with something and, and what I didn't understand it, it was the big part of my learning and then, then it had to be that way it, it didn't you know it couldn't be any other way did you have uh, uh did you have that same feeling afterwards that you wasted something i mean obviously now you know you you haven't but at the time is there anything that we can tell people that might be
1: mm. useful no i think there's some things you just have to you, you just learn through experience and like sometimes you, like you can't pre-plan these things you can't say i'm gonna go do i'm gonna have this experience i'm gonna learn this this and this and you don't have to, you don't put the time frame on it. either. You don't know how long, how long you're going to go through this as well. You don't know what your rock bottom has been like. You don't know, I guess like I wouldn't be here today if I didn't go through all the experiences I went through. Like, I wouldn't be talking to you about emotions today. I'd be talking about maybe language hacking at most. Yeah. I, we wouldn't have like a, a depth to our conversation because I wouldn't have gone through the stuff where the depth comes from. So the way I look at it is that like depth often comes from the painful moments in your life. That's where you can like, Grow into the experience like without any of the pain that i went through i don't think there'd be much depth to what i do so in that regard i'm grateful it's difficult to actually go through it and you don't know like you don't know what outcome is going to come from this like I, I i guess when i went through it i was like i felt like if i go through this in the right way then good things can come from this but i'd no guarantee of that and it's only been nine years down the line that i'm starting to see oh yeah there's a book that's come from this there's a podcast that's come from this so that's a long time to have faith so I guess that's the biggest takeaway to not put a time limit on your fate that this is going to be something that you can use to transform things in your life and get them in a place where you feel like this is aligned. So alignment is a key thing for me now that I wouldn't have been able to have a feel for before. Like I have a better feeling now if something feels aligned or not, because I'm just more in touch with the internal state that I wouldn't have been in touch with if I didn't go through that experience. I would have just been living in the external and and just like looking outside myself all the time. That was a big part of my problem was that I was, I I didn't know it, but I was constantly looking outside myself and valuing the opinions of other people. Over me. And so that's been a process like that I've been going through, like to, to learn to validate my own feelings and what I want from life, and that that's enough.
2: Can I ask you then, Dennis, just what occurred to me when we were talking then is would you say that that's helped you be comfortable in your own skin then? Because, yeah, you talked about intellect and all of this stuff, and then you talked about many layers, right? And just being able to let yourself experience. Was there a time when you? I guess gave yourself permission to do that or was it just natural? A natural part of that process that you had to go through
1: i think it was over time it was like because i guess the anxiety and all those stuff weren't going anywhere so i guess i'd like i guess it's true time and experience you know what the goal is you know what you want to achieve you know who you want to become but then it's a, it's a matter of like how do i navigate this stuff out a lot of time it's been true acceptance it's been accepting the anxiety as part of the journey it's been accepting the embarrassments the shame and all that kind of stuff and seeing them in a way where you can see like uh how this can be a benefit for there were other people Right a big part of my thing growing up was that I thought there was this perfect, perfect person you can be. And then you also need to present that to people in order to do that. You need to hide the stuff that you're ashamed about. So this would be the last thing I would do would be to write a book about the things I've been embarrassed about the things that people like people I grew up with never knew I went through this stuff so they're only knowing about it now and that was another big thing for me to overcome do I want to share this and them knowing about it now like they didn't know about it for nine years so yeah like that type of stuff inevitably will make you comfortable in your own skin when you're sharing some of the stuff that you've been embarrassed about so yeah you
2: know what? I'm glad you did Dennis because Mm. I'm pretty sure I'd hazard a guess that you've already had feedback from people that have read it right they've probably said look me too brother or said thank you know that's really really helped me right
1: yeah what i've been surprised with there's been a lot of people resonating with the book like then they haven't got they mightn't have gone through this at all but they're resonating with it seems like they're resonating with just the human stuff of like doubting yourself and placing other people's opinions before you and all that kind of human condition so that's what i've, I've been i've been pretty uh happy with that that like i was I guess people had in mind when I wrote the book was teachers and educators. I want to get across the importance of emotion and logic, like I place a lot of importance on logic and emotion together. And as well, I wanted to present another perspective for a psychiatrist or a coach who's, who's helping somebody go through this process. And to also give a perspective to the person going through it, that they're aware that they don't have to identify with this diagnosis or this this, uh, condition, it's a condition they're going through rather than it being the the rest of their life. Because that was the kind of feeling I had. I, I didn't have any kind of base in my mind of like somebody's gone through this and they've just got into a normal life and they're like actually growing from the experience. I didn't have that thing. That's what I want to give somebody else that opportunity to see that like it's, it's not an easy journey, but at least there is a it's a possibility, you know. They see this, come across it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that is really important because as you said, in in what what people know, what we know, what we are being told, if if you if you don't research any deeper, this is what um, you know, you think this is for your life. You are you are that. Yeah. You are that person. And it's and and yeah. It is a scary, it is a scary thing, but it just reminded me of something of some of my experiences. I kind of, I remember kind of having not even a feeling, not, it was something in me that was pushing me into a certain direction. Like I can't explain it. It wasn't conscious. It wasn't, it was something that was, that was saying you you know, you you go there. You try this. You you try this. You test that. You know, I've most of stuff that I've learned. Uh, it, it was because of the experience I had. I wouldn't have, you know, probably learned a lot about human mind. Although I was always fascinated with that, but I wouldn't be learning things that I did learn, because I wouldn't have interest in it. Hmm. But it was like looking back, it, it seems like there was there was there was something in me that was that was pushing me in a certain direction or guiding me in a certain direction i don't know did, did do you does that resonate with you
1: yeah it does resonate with me that, that that's where that kind of fate came in for me cuz when like when i went through my experience i did have certain feelings i had a feeling that like this is my time to to see if the human spirit is unconquerable i had these certain feelings they weren't like uh, conscious thoughts or something they were just kind of this feeling there was like this feeling that like you can grow through this and like the human spirit is inconquerable and that kind of stuff. And it's like, it was just feeling. So I was kind of like, well, yeah, I can test this now because I'm going through this mm. and I have no guarantee of this stuff. So that's what's helped me. It's like, I guess it's the, you have, you can interpret whatever happens to you, whatever way you want. So choose the most empowering way to go about it. Choose the meaning you want, to, you want from that situation because it's going to construct the story of your life moving forward like if i had i could have had a completely different interpretation of my experience i could be in a completely different place now i could have seen i could have bought into it i could have been like oh poor me and i could have went like horrible and then like, i deserve this like all that narrative starts playing out into a different direction i wouldn't be doing a podcast i wouldn't have written a book But because i was like i'm willing to like explore my psychology i'm willing to 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 look at myself and see where i have played a part in this where my indecisions have led me and that type of those kind of micro decisions and then that's very freeing at the start i didn't realize how freeing that was going to be i thought that that was like a very difficult thing to do which it was but then on the other side of that you realize that how much ownership you can take for your life and then you can move forward and you can create the stuff you want but without that ownership sure you're always dependent on other people even as a podcaster even writing a book and stuff like if you're constantly dependent on other people to like to i don't know to to, uh, to make your reality come true then like it's 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 not fully within your control but for me there it's like living in reality you need to have an income so i'm providing that through my computer programming career but then i can still do the book and still do the podcast and so i have nothing really on those things but i know that they give me a sense of alignment and as well i know that I like i'll gradually start finding more and more people who resonate with what I'm doing and it's coming from the inside out rather than me looking out and trying to find the people who will resonate with content that isn't aligned with me so it's a yeah it's
0: an interesting journey isn't it Mm. I think I had a question and then it disappeared (laughs) I'm trying to think
2: I was trying to be quiet and let you speak (laughs) (laughs) um Just, you know what occurred to me, Dennis, we, we, we went on a journey together and I'll always be grateful for that, right? And we me explored, too. you know, from the inside, you know, getting reflective and being curious about, you know, the whole human experience, right? Mm. Going through that and, you know, we both shared stories from our lives, right? I've hit rock bottom a few times and I really now can see, and it's not a belief thing. It, it For me, it's been experiential that you are psychologically always okay, right? That's quite hard for people to hear because like we've already been talking about, it's not easy, right? And we're Mm -hmm. not saying it is. That's, you know, for people listening, you know, there's always going to be things that, you know, thrown at you in life. But what we're saying is the psychological part, the non-physical part, we have a lot of uh, resilience. It's, what's the right word? There's no off switch, right? Mm. creativity, well-being. It's all there for us to access. I guess it's just the thinking
1: that gets in the way of it, right? Yeah, it was, the thinking was a, a big thing for me. It was because uh, through the process, you're, you're trapped in your analytical mind there. And then somewhere along the line, I realized that the analytical mind was making it worse for me. That, like I was trying to figure my way out of it and it was making it worse. I think that's, that's a... <sighs> that that was a hard thing to do i think at the time it felt like an ego hit because i was like i kind of just said oh, i'll give up on this it, that was the kind of feeling i was like oh, i can't do this because like, i was kind of mentally worn out and uh that's where the freedom that was part of the freedom like there had to be space created in my mind again so i can't remember it exactly but i do remember the feeling of hitting a hammer off a screw that kind of thing that i kind of realized this is actually making it worse i guess it would have been the paranoia in the stories that yeah, that would have been it. I would have been, been analysing the paranoia because that felt real to me and I needed to get to the bottom of it. After a while, it started occurring to me that this is making things worse. I don't feel any better. So yeah, that, that would have definitely gotten in the way if I didn't drop that.
2: Yeah, that's useful for people to hear. And it, you know what occurred to me? That is not the same as creativity as well. We try and use our intellect to problem solve and innovate when actually <laughs> it's not. that's not where it's coming from. And it's only until we disengage your cognitive thinking that... It's like, bomb, we get this download. It's like, ah, that's where it's at. Yeah.
1: yeah, I guess what's helped me then over the years would have been that flexibility in my thinking. I didn't have it with the language hacking. I was very, at that time, I was very rigid. My thinking was very like, this has to be the way it is and it has to be a certain way. And I wouldn't have had that flexibility. Whereas now, now I'm able to like continue on in a general direction. Like I know that writing aligns with me. I know that podcasting aligns with me. right or computer programming aligns with me. So I'm just like going with that direction and see what unfolds and uh from that place like it's like you can be more creative like if i had a very specific idea for my book then the illustration probably wouldn't have came about i was just kind of loose with it it was like letting it take form the way it's supposed to take form But i had a structure too like so when you read the book it's like a balance between like structure and logic and just creativity and letting things unfold like i would have definitely had a philosophy of uh go with the flow when i was younger but it was to my detriment because I wasn't very clear on who I am as a person and what I want in the world. It was more from a people pleaser it started becoming. It was That was the nature of it. So I was doing things I didn't necessarily want to do and having conversations I didn't really want to be having. Or So I wasn't really in moving towards environments that were actually helping me thrive in the world but as i move forward i guess i went through that period then i was like questioning that kind of philosophy so i got more structured and in my thinking got like more clear and things it's that balance now between the two of them of like going with the flow but looking in the right direction for me where i want to go the people I want to be around the things i want to achieve so that's been that's been huge just that that balance between logic and creativity
0: yeah we definitely need both it's just it's just love I was, I was reading um was it the Nikola Tesla that he was? Uh, uh, he was on the line of schizophrenia, and this is why he could actually have such an amazing visions for the things he wanted to create. But then again, his thinking and his logical thinking had to be strong as well in order to execute it. Yeah. So it's uh, and and it's really fascinating when you when you look at the minds of some amazing people that really really did. Live their life really authentically, really aligned uh, uh, with themselves, and this is where amazing things ha- can happen. I'm, uh, I'm just thinking, yeah, there are things that I'm still doing to please people around me, but you know,
2: I <laughs> we, we all do it, don't we? In certain aspects, and then we catch ourselves and we're like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But I guess when you when you start just having a human experience and just get curious about it. I don't know about you, Dennis, but I'm less likely to bash myself about it, if that makes sense, if I catch myself doing stupid shit, which we all do, right? Yeah. I'm less likely to spend a week up in my head worrying about it. You know, I just get on with stuff. I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, I'll stop that and then just carry on. (laughs)
1: Yeah curiosity is key actually I'm glad you touched on that because like during my process there I think I think the curiosity was um, a key component like I wasn't coming at it from a point of view at least I wasn't towards the end anyway of like um, interrogating myself and being too harsh myself I guess I probably was a little bit but I was gradually but the curiosity was like curiosity was focusing me in a positive direction whereas if I was analyzing myself and if I was like uh, being harsh myself, then like none of the, no, no positive stuff will come from that. But it's finding the balance between like I guess curiosity. You are being honest because you're in a search for the truth. You, you can be curious about it, and that's a lot more enjoyable than you can focus on enjoying the process. Then because it's coming from curiosity. Mm.
2: Mm. And can I ask that you? Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Would you would you link that to passion as well? Because I see you as a very passionate person. You know, when when I talk to you, I'm always excited and. I remember when when you were saying you were working through the book, I was like, "Uh huh, great, can't wait for it to come out." Would you say that curiosity links to passion as well? Do you think they they run in parallel? How
1: does that work? Yeah, I would think so. Like like, I think you can naturally you naturally are curious, like you're naturally passionate about things you're curious about because with, with curiosity, you're looking at it in a way where you're like, "Oh, so yeah." Like, I think it's a natural they naturally go hand in hand. It's like, it's an, yeah, it's an interesting question. I've never been asked that question, but it's uh. Because I, I don't think I've been curious about things that I am not also passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Like not, that's yeah. a
2: good point, actually, Dennis. Yeah, sometimes if we're not too sure about stuff, and it might not be our passion, but we're curious enough for it, for it to pique our interest, right? Mm. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the answer myself, Dennis. Sometimes yeah, I'm just, I'm <laughs> no, just I never curious. actually.
1: Yeah, I never thought about that before. I, like the, uh, I would have. I guess I always assumed that curiosity kind of was passion there, like because I I couldn't imagine myself being curious about something that I wasn't also passionate about
0: yeah
2: Mm, maybe we just need to all let that one cook right
1: But the thing is, I, I guess I'm kind of what comes to mind there too is that there's so much kind of um, talk about passion and stuff that it kind of loses meaning sometimes. And it's uh, mm. people are looking for their passion and stuff, but like all you have to do is be honest with yourself and go like, what, what what do I want to do with my life? And then and then like if you're it's generally hidden in embarrassment. It's like the things you're embarrassed about doing or the things you didn't want to do. That's your passion. It's like <laughs> yeah, people don't find themselves in that direction. They're thinking that like it's going to be passionate and everybody's going to love them for it and that kind of stuff. But it's generally, no, it'll be the other direction. Like you'll probably feel that people think you're weird and that they won't want to be around you. And stuff because that's what it was like for me in the podcast starting off and for the book as well. I the biggest fear for me was that people will read it and they'll think I'm a weirdo and it's like or it doesn't go down well, it doesn't receive well, mm. and so like I think the passion can be hidden behind that. All those fears of like, what if I'm not accepted because I'm being the real me now because I'm following my passion, my curiosity, and stuff. So I can't pretend, I can't say like oh, I was pretending, guys, I was pretending that isn't me at all. So you know,
0: yeah, you sorry, and you know what comes to mind, uh, Peter's dad. Peter's dad was a very creative person, and he was, uh, he was drawing, he was painting, he was writing, and hiding it really well, so nobody knew about it. His mom, Peter's mom, found a book, a children's book that he wrote for his grandchildren, wrote and illustrated in the bottom of the cupboard after, after he was going through his th- things after he passed away.
1: Yeah. It's. I can resonate a... with that, I think, because I think uh that's kind of. the I think that if, if if my passion did kind of come out and I hadn't gone through the experience I went through, I think that's kind of how it would manifest for me. I'd be kind of hiding it and be part of myself that I wouldn't that I wouldn't let everybody know about and stuff like that. But I guess because of the pain I went through, I was like, I'm done with that kind of bullshit. I'm like, just it's not going to be easy. Like I knew it was going to take a long time. And it's going to continue to to play out like that. But it's like uh, that's I guess where you're more comfortable in your skin and stuff. As well, mm.
2: and just going back, you were saying, um, when you were writing the book, you were, you know, you had the f- f- thoughts about people maybe thinking you're a weirdo, well, mm. aren't we all weirdos? That's the thing. And I think by writing this yeah. book and just sharing it, I think it's a wonderful gift to put out there because we all go through mad stuff in our heads, everyone, right? And, yeah. I, and I guess we certain people take it to extremes and it's just the way it is, right? And and I think the more people like yourself that has the courage to share it, well not even courage, it made sense to you, right? Mm. And it was a thing that you were going to do, right? But just to share that and for the more people that hear these kind of stories, because these kind of stories are actually the norm. <laughs> this is we yeah. all go through those roller coaster moments of emotions and all of the thoughts and feeling. And I guess the more that we share that, the more it becomes just everyday life because that's what it is, right? Yeah. Not to undermine what you went through because yeah, no, it was, no, okay. I'm not going to lie. It's tough, right? When you yeah. go through things like that. But I'm just saying oh,
1: that Yeah, it's... I think time is a big element too. Like, I wouldn't be able to describe this only nine years down the line. Like, I, like if I could have written this book, I wouldn't be able to write this book until now, pretty much. Because even some of the words in the book, like psychotic episode, antipsychotic drugs, it was only earlier last year, or did, earlier last year, that like, I kind of came to terms with that language because it's such uh, emotionally charged words. So, yeah, I think time you know, is a big thing sometimes. You know, when you were diagnosed
2: with that, how do you feel now about labels? And again, just to be clear, it's not that I'm bashing or the right or wrong, but from that side of things, from psychology, from the medical side of things, when someone gives you that label, how did it feel to you? Was that, did that have any impact, positive or negative, or was that just not something you needed to focus on at that time?
1: See, I, I kind of I come to the stage where I was fed up with labels already because I, I was writing a blog at the time as well. And I'd written a blog post about two. The labels are for jars, not for people. I come to that kind of realization, but I again, I was wasn't emotionally aware. So all that anger at labels was just like festering and boiling inside me. So by the time I got to the diagnosis, I was like, there's no fucking way this label's defining me because I've like I'm sick of labels. This is my opportunity to actually break through a label. Now that was um that would have been the feeling. Wouldn't have been playing out in my head, but that would have been the feeling. So. The label didn't affect me because I knew that like my intention here is to move beyond this label. That was yeah.
0: Yeah. So you it, you you kind of already started working on it before it even happened.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, there was some uh, weird kind of stuff playing out there. It's a weird one. Like there were, like I mentioned, in the book. There were a few things, few key things, like emotional intelligence. Mm. Isolation was again was kind of getting to me too because I was so focused on on um, learning Spanish and Italian. I was kind of in the countryside by myself as well. I wasn't drinking water regularly as well. So there was some there was a few factors that were pretty obvious looking back on it. But uh, it's been the education. I always felt too was an education thing. It was that uh, I like like the way I look at it, It's Like there's fundamental stuff about like how your brain works. That basic stuff that should be taught in school. But I don't know whether to pick up on it. But like even things as simple as like diffuse mode of thinking the focus mode of thinking and the balance between the two of them just simple kind of brain science that really helped me and even like neural pathways in your brain like all these kind of things for me they helped to take away learning a new skill as something that was part of my identity to something that was objective and I was like I'm not good at this because I haven't developed neural pathways in my brain because I haven't been practicing when I started looking at it from that point of view it became less personal and it became more about like learning a new skill even with languages too today, like I, I guess when I was learning it, there wasn't an emphasis on communication in school. It was more just like a subject you're you're just passing. And then there's not a focus on the emotion. Like what's stopping a great communicator from somebody who's not communicating at all and they're not practicing? Oftentimes it'll be that person letting their anxiety get the better of them and they're not practicing in those situations and they're uptight. Because that was the, that was a kind of growing process I was going through through French. It was that as the years went by, it became less. Well, like I just I just got more comfortable with the anxiety of speaking to somebody new in a foreign language and the doubts that come up. Like even that would have probably been nice to be aware of that in school that like. When you're speaking to somebody in a foreign language, you're probably going to have doubts about it and feel self-conscious because you might be saying things wrong and stuff. Just even having a dialogue around that, it might have helped because it normalizes it a little bit, I guess. I guess it needs to be done in the right way where it's just like part of the process and it's like it's normal to feel anxious and nervous around people, especially when you're speaking a foreign language. And in the real world as well, you're not guaranteed that people will be receptive or they could be rude to you and stuff. So just, I guess, having a conversation around the possibilities of it and like how to to deal with that. And uh, yeah, I think those kind of simple things aren't, well, when I was growing up, they weren't taught enough in school. So I guess with the book, I want to bring an awareness to the stuff that I've learned on an education level that's applicable. Because for me, even the word personal development, personal growth, and all that kind of stuff—that's what I needed. But in that time, it's such a misunderstanding, misinterpretation around what personal growth and personal development was for me. I associated it as like people who are high energy and like their heads in the clouds and stuff. Mm. Whereas what I've kind of grown to to see it as like is something of like peeling back the layers and becoming who I wanted to be. So what I'm trying to do also is to transfer that into like practical day-to-day skills. Like I've done that already. With, I wouldn't be a computer programmer today if I didn't overcome self-limitations and different stuff that I've had around programming and computers and stuff or even becoming a language hacker as well I had to think differently so yeah like that's the sort of stuff that is creating critical thinking it's creating emotional intelligence there are two key things that you need in the real world that I don't feel that those. Especially when I was growing up, there wasn't enough attention placed on that. It was just placed on arbitrary subjects. And I guess with the real world too, I'm starting. Like with the book, my intention is to help people to connect the dots between different fields that, like, they're not isolated. Like computer programming language is not completely different to learning another language. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of connecting those things that I want to to do for people because I guess the world's changing a lot too and it's accelerating quite a lot. So learning how to learn. I've talked about it before. And that's a key skill. And I think learning how to learn is grounded in emotional intelligence and logic.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I know that our initiative
2: starting, which is really positive, right? I can see that through the teachers and the people that I know working in the youth system. But yeah, I totally agree, Dennis. It's not enough. And I definitely didn't get any of that emotional stuff, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or even I guess for. I guess it would have been nice to, to know for me that this can happen to your brain because I thought I died when I went through the experience because like one day it was, well, I, like the, the signs were going it was getting kind of bad, but I hadn't got to the stage where the voices came. When the voices came in and stuff, that, that whole night I thought I'd actually die because the experience was so different to the day before. That was one of the things I went through. So if I was aware that this can happen to your brain, then I probably wouldn't have gone through that part of the experience where I thought I'd died. I would have known something was completely off and stuff. Um, I might have been able to know and as well because nobody around me knew what was happening either. It took a while for me to actually get the psychiatrist and just convince people that like this has gotten really out of hand. So it's really it's really interesting
0: that there is so much stigma. I think a lot, and and so, not so much. I mean, people are scared of things that they don't know. Everybody is scared of what they don't know. If 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 people knew, and I think it's really it's you know, what you're doing is part of educating and getting people to know things. Once we know what it is, it's not so scary. And then we can talk about it and then much more people can know about it. And it's definitely there. And, and, You know, beauty of technology that we have right now, as we spoke earlier, you know, I can just click and download the book on my Kindle and I can read it straight away. You know, there's internet, things are shared. So uh, I'm hoping that the knowledge can spread much faster uh, than it could have been when we were young, when we were kids, when there was no internet and we only knew what teachers told us and they only knew what their teachers told them. So... Yeah. yeah 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 and i guess the more people just
2: share what you wrote right and whether it's you know just by saying look you know i know someone who's going through this maybe that'll help you because it, it it's the fear of the people around you as well because mm. they're just not equipped they don't have the right tools or the right language to even approach it right yeah and they get fearful because they don't know what to do
1: either so I it's, it's normal bad. like because because it, it's taken me a good eight nine years to even have the language to be able to describe something in a way that i guess again it was it was the emotion it was like i'd i'd, I'd feel charged about it and i wouldn't know what to do with myself and i'd be uncomfortable with it and that's i think that's taken the nine years and, and i guess when you're more comfortable with it you're able to find the words better because another part of that experience was the frustration that like i could see other people didn't know what to do with this and they were getting frustrated and i was getting frustrated and that was making matters worse because within that situation the more you give into fear and the more you're like, like paranoia and stuff, the more you're not grounded in yourself. Well, what you need to be doing, you need to be breathing and grounded and stuff, but you're doing the exact opposite. Like you're actually seeing people frustrated and fearful and stuff, and you're reacting to that and you're making the situation worse. So it's uh in those situations, in that experience, the actual counterintuitive thing is to actually take a breath and, and not get lost in that stream of thought. It's easier said than done, but that's that's where the answer is there. And uh, it's a very tricky situation. But what I feel would help is people who are in that situation with that person if they had the understanding that they're there to create a safe space and to not, and to like, be grounded in themselves first and not to try and rescue them or not to try and like interrogate them. to actually just like create a safe space and see as you said then do But that's 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 what that person will, will need and would benefit from.
0: Yeah, we don't we don't learn that in um, in uh, first aid even. <laughs> you did a uh, course recently. Was there anything like that? No. No.
2: I mean. <laughs> I'm glad to say there are colleagues of ours doing mental for you know mental health first aid. I know in the UK there's a lot of things going on. But yeah, I mean and it's 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 not enough, right? Um it should be everyone should have it right. It's essential.
0: It is yeah. essential and I'm hoping that then yeah. I'm hoping that things will change soon. And and you know, thanks to what you did, what you explained so beautifully in your book, uh is is one of the one of the steps, one of the branches of of you know sharing Lovely. experiences and sharing the knowledge.
1: Well, yeah, I want to keep people thinking out of curiosity. It's so like mm-hmm. that somebody said to me before they, they, or when they read the book or read some of it, that uh was making her think about things, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that's what I want people to do to think about things. And what uh, mm-hmm. well, all I've learned from this experience is how much I've been projecting onto other people, and the narratives that go through my head, how the influences how I see people. And so I've just been more aware of that as I move forward, that I'm very grateful for because I didn't realize that was playing out in my life. I saw people as this and they weren't, uh, they were very static and they weren't dynamic people that I was projecting onto. So.
2: That's a big one, right? Hmm. Any, any parts in words? And also, just if anyone wants to connect with you, obviously you've got the Happy Mindset podcast and you've got your book out, but what's the easiest way for people to reach out to you and talk to you? Yeah, they,
1: they can either go on Facebook and find me, Dennis Murphy, the Happy Mindset. Or they can go to the website as well, the happymindset.com. That's got everything there. It's got the book and it's got all the links to my social channels and stuff. Okay, That's great. the easiest.
0: Is there anything that you would like to, I mean, I think we touched lots of subjects. We, we <laughs> said lots of things, but you know, just to kind of sum it up from your side uh, or something that we didn't say that you would like to share it.
1: I guess the biggest takeaway is that somebody going through this is that they get to decide the meaning. Mm. They get to decide the meaning to the experience. You might not feel like it. You do, you get to decide the meaning to the experience and that will determine the trajectory of your life moving forward. So you've got the opportunity to rewrite your story if you choose to do so. That's what I have done and that's what anybody could do as well.
0: Cool. I think that's quite powerful.
2: That's thank a great you. way to end it. Thank you. Uh,
0: Dennis, thank you for, for being here and talking to us.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you for listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast. Please, please, please share this podcast with your friends. And if you haven't already, press the subscribe button. And thanks again for listening.